this isn't intentional, but it seems like about every two years we do a state of the church address. And, and today is that day. If you're a guest, I can't think of a better day for you to be here. I can tell you uh, it's not, you know, I don't know when we're getting out of here. My goal is three hours. I can't hear my own self-talk for three hours. Uh, I, I don't even want to go that, not, nowhere close to that, I promise you, so don't panic. But I am going to bring a lot to you today. Today we're going to have just a, kind of an overview of, of who we are, where we've been, and where we're going. It's going to be a good day. Uh, man, this, this room is full. I don't know, we could just about pack hard anybody else in here. This is wonderful to see. Um, so... I want to start out by saying, you know, here's an interesting fact about me as far as just my career ministry journey. I never aspired to be a pastor. And, and let me tell you what I mean by that. Oh, yeah, I, I always have been, you know, excited to do that and those kind of things. But, you know, some people had as a life goal to be a certain type of position. My, really, the, 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 the depth of my heart was always to, to be a part of a movement of God. That was, that's, that's at the core of everything I've ever desired, desired to be. I, 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 many of you, if you're a lot of, you know, Clearview has a lot of people come and go. And, and so you, you may not know this. Most of our uh, people that have been going here during my tenure know this. But, but if you don't know it, I, I, was, I came to Christ in an awakening. I, I, and that was the, the worst thing that ever could have happened to me and the best thing that ever could have happened to me. Because right out of the gate, I, I came to Jesus in a little church that was exploding. And we weren't exploding because we had a great preacher or a great music. I mean, Clearview has, if, if, I, if my little church were a toolbox, we had like a hammer and a screwdriver and half of a hacksaw, right? This church has, we're loads compared to what, what I saw growing up. And, and it wasn't anything about that. What it was was the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit. And, what I, and that was the best thing, but it was also the worst thing because I, I entered ministry thinking that was how it was going to be for the rest of my life. And boy, that is just not what has happened in America. It's not what happens in most churches. But my longing has, has always been to be a part of a, of a movement where I've seen God work in, in amazing ways. And today, if Zach mentioned, uh, you're going to hear this phrase. We're going to, for a group of Baptists, we're going to talk a whole lot more about alcohol than we have maybe ever uh, over the next uh, eight weeks because we're going to talk a lot about new wine. And I want, if you've got a Bible, turn to Luke chapter 5. And with this very simple teaching that Jesus gave Today's not a sermon, but it is, it is certainly grounded in this passage. Our staff has been talking about this for a long time. I have been working on what I'm going to share with you today for really about seven or eight weeks um, in all kinds of ways. And it's, there's a lot more I could share today, but I'm going to give you what I think you need to know. And so here's what Jesus said in Luke chapter 5. Toward the end of your Bible in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are, that's kind of how it goes. Look for Luke chapter 5. And Jesus says, he was telling a parable, he was telling a story. And Jesus said, no one tears a piece of cloth from a new garment and puts it on an old garment. In other words, you don't put a, a new patch on an old garment. Otherwise, it will, tear, it will tear from the new and the piece of the new will not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins and it'll be spilled out and the skins will be ruined. But the new wine must be put into 
fresh wineskins. And no one, after drinking old wine, wishes for the new. They say the old's good enough. So we're going to talk about what this means today. And I want to start out by just saying, here's some new wine that Clearview has experienced in, in the last, I would just say, in, the, in the, the last few months or maybe even in the last couple of years. Here's some new wine we can all celebrate together. Number one, baptisms, right? You just saw four today, right? Clearview has seen a, a, a significant surge this, this year, significant surge in baptisms. And, and it's so neat to watch. We're not, we, today we saw some younger people. We've seen adults. It's been really neat to celebrate. Aren't you glad, church, that you're seeing that? I'm glad. <clears throat> Lives are still being changed at Clearview, right? That's something that the Lord has been doing fresh, and, and, and we're, we're up more than we have been in years in that. So, man, that just, that's just a powerful testimony unto itself. Here's another great thing the Lord is doing in our church is erasing debt. We are on a path right now. Listen, uh, you guys, some of y'all, you're asking us all the time, like, how close are we to that? The answer is we're close. We're closer than we were a few weeks ago, right? If it, I, I've told our, some of our people that are in our core leadership that... that uh, that if, if this were a baseball game, we've rounded third and home is, is about two steps away. And, and a month ago, it was four steps away. We, we, we still were working with our, our partners, with the, the, our buyer. Uh, our trustees are doing just an, an, an insanely good job with that. Well, you know, one of the more proud moments I've had at Clearview was watching you trust the trustees. We empowered our trustees to walk ahead of us in that. They are the legal officers of our church, and, and so uh, they're being led by Philip Cantrell, and, and uh, he has just done a, a, a fantastic job. And I'll tell you, whenever that day comes, okay, that'll be the first time in the history of Clearview Baptist Church that we have no debt. How about that? That's awesome. That's awesome. I'll tell you, uh, here's, a, here's a third place of new wine, I would say, that the Lord, that, that you did. All, all of you did this. All of you did. I'm so proud of you. you, you you've done this. This Kingdom Growth Institute. <clears throat> Let me tell you why that matters. It's always been a big part of my heart that, that we help pastors, that we help future ministers, future missionaries. I, I want to see us be a type of people that sends out kingdom leaders I was, I was look, looking at some statistics just not too long ago. I hope they're wrong. I hope these, these studies are wrong. But there are certain studies that are coming out that I'm getting wind of that they're predicting a shortage of ministers over the next many years. And, and, and I tell you, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that in, in a minute. Kingdom Growth Institute, if you're not familiar with what that is, what we do is we bring in residents. You just saw Emma, you saw Jamie, Noah, Molly. and what, these, aren't, these aren't interns, they're actually residents. So think about a medical resident, somebody that's in the med medicine world. And so they come here, we give them a full-time salary, we give them benefits, we, we plug them into real ministry. We also give them a seat at the table. And, and they actually have a chance to do real ministry. My hope, we told our church in the beginning that sometimes we'll hire them, but we hope to see a, a day where we send them. I would love to see a day at Clearview where other churches look to, to KGI, Clearview, uh, Kingdom Growth Institute, they look to Clearview to say, hey, who do you have coming out that's going to be a kids minister? Who do you have coming out that's going to be a worship minister? I would love to see that flywheel take place. And, and I'll tell you, that's made a massive impact already in our church and you funded it all of you all of you funded it and I want to tell you thank you because you, you saw some growth and I'll tell you why 
Every time that Clearview, at least in my tenure, and from what I've heard from many of you that have been here way longer than me, this was nothing new, but at least in my time, and I think it sounds like some of our history, uh, every time we, leave, we lose a student pastor, two things tend to happen. Everybody gets their hair on fire and they freak out, right? Because students get close to them, man. I mean, they go to camp with them. They talk with them. They text with them. They do real life. Our, our student ministers, they're all different. They all, they all do things differently. They lead differently, but they walk among our students. And, and so every time we, we have a, a student, the average, the average turnover, just so you know, the average turnover in student ministry is roughly every 18 to 24 months. Not just here. I think that's the national average. Would that be right, Joe? Somewhere in there, give or take? Yeah, somewhere in there. It's not long. It's not long. I mean, a lot of reasons that because that's kind of how I got started. If you don't know it, student ministry is typically the entry door to the church. Not, not always, but a lot of times. That's how I got started. I wasn't really good at it. Um, but it's, you know, it's what you do. But I'll tell you what happened this year. When our student pastor moved on, there was some concern. There was a few parents that had some concerns, but I want to tell you, it was nothing like we've seen before. And you know why? Because we had two residents on the ready that stepped right in. If you're familiar with baseball, it's like, yeah, yeah, that's worth clapping about. Yeah. If, if, if this were AAA, they were playing for the sounds, who are they feeding? The Brewers right now? Yeah, is that right? I don't know. Yeah, they're feeding the Brewers? Yeah, so the AAA baseball, they're a feeder system. So they just stepped right up, whammo, and they're in there, and they're, they're starting to work. And I love it. It's, it's brought stability to us. And I would say that's another place of new wine in our fellowship. I can tell you that student ministry has gone up and down like that over the years. But I can tell you, at least in my five and a half years at Clearview, Student ministry stability is better than I've personally ever seen it behind closed doors. Behind the curtain, it's better than I've ever seen it. As far as the lack of drama, as far as the lack of things going on, it's, it's been great. And I want to thank everybody for that. And I will tell you, if you're a guest today and you want to know what kind of student ministry we're going to have, I will tell you, it's not full of glitter. You heard a lot about fun. That, that, that was the theme, evidently. Fun is great. That We do a lot of fun things, but I will tell you, as long as I'm your pastor and as long as we lead student ministry the way we do, our goal is to turn out men and women of God. That's our goal. And that's not, that's not going to, listen, that's not going to be glam. It's not going to be glitter. And I'll tell you how we lead and how we approach it. We, we look at this and we look at, we want to serve them in their mind as who they're going to be when they're 30. We want to serve their 30-year-old self, not the now. We're not just trying to meet them on their current needs. I'm looking at more of not what they're going to be in the next four years. I want to know who they're going to be when they're 40. And that's, that, and so let me tell you, that's not attractional, church. You just need to know that. There's a lot of places across this country that, I mean, if, if you want to jump on the hamster wheel of just throwing in all kinds of fun and games 24-7, you can grow a student ministry pretty quick, and you will lose it just as fast when the fun and games stop. You will. We have an alarming rate. My entire 33 years of ministry, I can tell you this, one of the most tragic statistics in the American church 
is that the vast majority of students leave their faith when they leave their house. And that is not going to be our legacy at this place. And if that means we have 10 students, then we'll have 10 awesome ones. If we have 100, we'll have 100 awesome ones. But that's what we're going to do. Because you can walk away from cotton candy discipleship all day long, but it's hard to walk away from an experience with holy God in your church, and we're going to pursue that. And it's been stable, and I thank you for it, man. I'll tell you, that's some new wine. Here's some classic, you know? Like, you know, um, they say something about classics. They never go out of style, like Ray-Ban Wayfarers, you know? I, I, anybody have Ray-Bans? I got Ray-Bans. You know why? They're never the coolest, but they're always okay, you know? It's kind of like wingtips. My granddaddy used to tell me, wingtips will never go out of style. I thought, what does he know? You know, guess what? I own like two pair. You know, they never go out of style. They're, always, they're not always the coolest, but they work. Here's some things about Clearview that I think are some of our legacy. Some classic, I don't know much about wine, you know. I, I don't know a whole lot about it, but I can tell you from people that I know that, that drink it, they, I've always been told, you know, the older it is, the better, right? It, it, it ferments, it sets up, and it, it tastes good. Evidently, I tried it one time, I said, oh, I don't know. I never tried it again. But I can tell you, here's some classics at Clearview. Clearview's had a history of funding missions. That's some old wine. It never goes stale. We, we have a real history at this church. I'm so proud of you. You do that. All of you do that. That's been a big part of your history. We do it here. We're, we're, we've always been in the top of our state, not the number one, but we're always in the top tier, uh, uh, or at least we have in, in, in the most recent many years. Our missions committee could give you better ideas on that, and finance could too, but I can tell you we, we tend to do really well at funding missions, and I'm so proud of you for that. You stuck it out, man, and you've done it. I'm proud of you. We also do good at, at sending missions. Clearview, Clearview was a church start. We started in 1986, and, give or take. And, and so we, uh, we send missionaries. You just saw us pray over some missionaries going out to Boston. We, we do that. And another strength of ours, some classic wine at Clearview, is we are a multi-generational church. It was, it was really fitting. You just saw Cindy and Forrest stand up there. If you're new, that, that's pretty common. You've got people like the Holders who are, who are raising up that generation of young professionals. And I see a lot of you doing that. We, we do, I, I think we do such a great job at this church of multi-generational ministry. We really do. We could do a lot more. We could even do more. There's so many more ways I think we could do that, but I think we do really great. Those are some old wine narratives that I think really, really work. So those are some things I think that are happening at Clearview that are great. I'll tell you, though, here's one of our greatest challenges right now. Churches have life cycles. Churches go through life cycles. Churches go up and down. If you're in business, we have a fantastic finance committee. So many people in this church are great business professionals. I mean, this church has more business acumen than any church I've ever served. And I can tell you, um, you've seen it in the marketplace. You're seeing it in your own job markets right now. But right now, we're in a funding, what I would call a funding downturn, right? Clearview, Clearview's budget for about uh, maybe the last 10 years, I'm using loose numbers because I'm, I'm, I'm not the best numbers person. I can just tell you what I'm often told. 
And, I, and that, that even that's filtered by what I can remember. I am, get, I am 50 now, so I, I can, I'm going to play that card as much as I can. But I can tell you that, that you know, if you're in business, you see times where, the, where the, the cycle of money just changes. And so we're in that spot right now. Clearview's quite a bit behind budget. Now, normally we can finish in a surplus because we manage that through expenses, but this year that hasn't happened. It's been, it's been quite significant. And I want to say a couple things to that. Number one, so many of you are faithful, and I want to say thank you. I mean it. Thank you. You've stuck with your church. Your church has been through a lot in the last 13 years. You've stuck with your church, and you've given, and some of you are giving above and beyond the tithe. And I'm telling you, in fact, some of the numbers we've seen and some of the statistics that Daniel Gutting, our finance director, shows us is that the people that are giving, the faithful givers are faithful. I don't, just so you know, if you are a guest today, I choose, I don't, some pastors do, and there's nothing in the Bible says you can't. I just never have wanted to know what people give. You know why? Because if you're in sin, I want to be able to look you in the eye and say so, right? Seriously, that doesn't make me like, you know, the sin police, right? I just think it changes things. I can tell you I'm human, you know, I'm human. And if I know somebody is a massive giver, sometimes you can, you can it changes the way you look at them or maybe they, have, they yield more influence. I only want to be influenced by the Holy Spirit. And so I just choose not to look at those numbers. But I can tell you that so many of our people are faithful in here and you've been faithful and I want to say thank you. So what I'm saying to you is that We've got to take an honest look at that. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in a minute. So today I'm bringing you to a place um, where, where we're looking at what do we have to do as a church, not just because of that, but in general. Many of you are asking, though, why, why is that? We're, we're investigating that ourselves. But I can tell you what I've, what I've learned by being around many people like you and many people outside this church over the years. God has always put me around some amazing business people. And I can tell you what I've learned and what I believe. And you may disagree, but I can tell you, and it's fine. There's different economical theories and different financial theories out there. And I'm a preacher, but I can tell you this. I believe with all my heart that profit is a result. Profit is a result. It's an outcome. And it's something that you don't just seek profit because profit can come and go. It can get smaller. It can get larger. I can tell you that I really don't believe at all that Clearview has a money problem. Oh, we have a money issue. Oh, listen, I'm not tone deaf. <laughs> I mean, we have a money issue. We do. We have a money issue. But I don't believe that the root system with what we're facing on this specific issue has anything to, I think it has something to do with God is trying to get our attention. I really do believe that. And here's a question that I believe, this is a question that I'm just going to bank on the fact that I think the Spirit put on my heart months and months ago, right? And here's the question that I ask myself, if God owns all the money, and if God owns all the power, why are we short? Can we all agree that God owns all the money? He does own all the money. And if he owns all the power, then, then, then why? And I, to be honest, with you, I don't know. I can't tell you why are we short. So many of you are giving. Keep it up. All right? 
I'd appreciate it if you sell some of those Lexuses that some of you have. Start driving a Prius. I don't know. Whatever it takes in Jesus' name, right? No, but for real. I, I, I don't have all the answers, but I can tell you this. I am fully, fully convinced of something, you guys. That there's something more happening in our church, and it's a good thing. It's a good thing. You're going to see us move into a season over the next five to eight weeks where we're going to use a phrase called make room. Make room. Make room for new wine. Make room in your heart for things. You're going to be hearing this phrase over and over again, right? Make room. Make room for what God wants to do in your life. Make room. So, (laughs) I can tell you, let me just show you what this is about. So, this is fresh off my back patio, right? So, when Jesus was talking about new wine, what he used was this idea of fermentation. And, and here's the thing. It's easy in that passage. It's really easy in that passage to think about grapes. It's easy because it, it, you, you can kind of put your eyes on that. But as we've been talking as a staff, we've been realizing that if you put a bunch, and I don't know much about winemaking, but I don't know much about fermentation, but I know they crush a bunch of grapes and they, they manipulate a process, and you could do that in a jar or a swimming pool or a jacuzzi or a, or a whiskey barrel. You can do it in any kind of container. There's all kinds of containers that fermentation could happen. Fermentation is going to happen when you do that, regardless of the container you put it in. The issue, I think, in this passage is not about the grapes. The issue is about the container. The issue is about the container. What's going to happen with the container? Because, see... This is a fixed container. It's made of clay. It cannot expand. So if if, if the power of the Holy Spirit is the new wine poured into here, this is is what we would call a fixed resource. This is a fixed resource. It's finite. It's finite. It can't expand. It can't grow. It's going to bleed out. In fact, if you're living off old wine and old ways of doing your faith, you need to realize that once that is consumed, it's gone and it's gone forever. It's gone forever. So the issue was never about the grapes. The issue was always about the container. It was always about the container. So what they used to do in the Bible days was they would take animal bladders or they would take different types of, different types of animal skins. And, but the bottom line was they would take things that were expandable. They were expandable. And so what Jesus is getting at in this teaching is, is there a place in your heart for new things. Is there a place in your life? Have you, have you made room for God? Have you made room? Can, are you able to make room? Are, are you even able to do that? And we're going to be challenging you for that. To make room in your heart. Where do you need to make room? So let me, let me just kind of walk you through some of our core. You've seen this, so just oblige me. Some of you have never seen this. Maybe most of you. I'm going to walk you through a growth curve. Some of our leaders met a few weeks ago. I showed them this. It resonated with many of you. 
But I'm going to walk you through the growth cycle. of any. This applies to a business. It applies to a church. It applies to a school. It applies to a sports team. It, it applies to anything. Okay? But here's how it starts. Okay? There's a launch phase. Clearview had a launch phase roughly around 1986. And the most significant thing about a launch phase is dreams. People have dreams. They have big dreams. Right? Aspirations. Even, even churches... When they, when they start out, do you know that church plants, when new church plants by statistic, this isn't 100% of them, but by statistic, most church plants spend most of their money on the community because they're new. And then there comes a time in every church that that, that, that will flatten out. But the dreams, the dreams are big. In the launch phase, there's nothing but dreams. You don't have a lot, but you have dreams, right? One of, the, one of my favorite pictures of Clearview is this picture in the first few years. I should have thought to put it up here. We had no buildings. It was a hot summer day. And some of you in this room, you met in a tent right down on Franklin Road, right? Folded chairs, packed in equipment, and you were ecstatic to do it, right? You were excited. We get to sweat in Jesus' name. We got a new church, man. It's awesome. Some of you that have been here 15, 20 years, you know what I hear you talk often about? Were the days when some of you as small groups cleaned the bathrooms. You actually, you, you, you stacked chairs. You did it together. And I love that. The dreams are big. And then that organization moves into a growth phase. Clearly, you actually hit a growth phase. So go to the next one. And that's when transformation is happening. you got to bring on staff. you gotta, you got to find new ways to allocate money. And that's even exciting, too. It proposes a whole bunch of new challenges. And all of a sudden, things are happening. And, and clearly, you hit that. And, and we did. And then, then you move into your peak years. And your peak years are your prime years. And every organization will hit this. They'll hit their prime years. But Clearview is no different than any other church that has plateaued or declined. Because what happens is you know that you can't stay there. You know that you can't stay there. In fact, that, that, that little church that I got saved under, you know when that's happened to us? We were hungry. We were humble and we were hungry. And we wanted God. We used to do 24-hour prayer cycles at our church you know, I was a 19-year-old college student, so I would pick like the 2 a.m. because I wasn't even in bed, so whatever. But you know what the rule was at our church at that time? If your 3 a.m. didn't show up, you kept going. And that happened to me one time. And I ran out of things to say to God. <laughs> I don't know what to say to you, God. I said it all. Like in 10 minutes. And now i got like an hour and 50 left. What do I do? <laughs> you know? I didn't know. We were hungry. But you know what happened? We went from 50 to about 400 in about four years. Churches from all over the nation were calling. What are y'all doing? What are y'all doing? Because people love a new thing. And then it flatlined. And it's never recovered. And you know why it's never recovered? We got really comfortable. We built a gym, much like this. We went to a, 
to a place where we weren't desperate anymore. We just weren't desperate anymore. I could even hear it at the age of 19, 20 years old. We weren't as passionate about people that didn't know Jesus. We baptism started falling off. We just weren't hungry anymore. Those were our prime years. And we began to decline. And you know what happens in organizations, whether it's your business or whether it's your, your ball team or anything, maybe the, the band you're in, the music industry you're in. You know what happens in the decline phase? You know what's the difference? Now look at the, left, the far left. The far left, in the launch phase, dreams are huge. But in the decline phase, memories are greater than dreams. That's what happens. Memories are greater than dreams. You can always tell because people will talk about the good old days. They'll talk about the days when it was awesome. Don't y'all remember when we used to do this? I've, even, I've been around businesses that, especially the, the older people in those businesses, they used to talk about, I remember the days we all used to pack boxes together and we worked like 117 hours a week, man. And we, we hardly got by. We were almost bankrupt three or four times. And, and they remember all those war stories, right? And they talk about those like those were the good old days. Those were not the good old days. Those were awful, Right? No, but memories are greater than dreams. One of my friends is a psychologist, and he told me that recently he saw a report. Do you know, on a side note, do you know, at the time, if it still is, I haven't checked it recently, you know what the highest suicide rate is in America? Males between the ages of 50 and 65. Because their memories are greater than their dreams. But something happens along the way when a group of people decide we're not going to play that game. Our denomination's been heading that way for a long time. In fact, my entire ministry career, Southern Baptists have been going down. But then there's one other option. You don't have to play. And you can, you can do this. You can just chart your own path. And I'm telling you, that's what Clearview is going to have to do. I want you to listen to me, church. We're going to have to go back to some old wine at this place. A place where we were hungry, where we didn't care, where we didn't have preferences, where we were just all in and all in together, man. We're going to have to find that spirit inside of us. It's all in there. Many of you have done it before. You have. You're, you're the reason we're here. You, so many of you have stuck with your church, and I'm so proud of you for that. But I'm telling you, we've got to go back to a place where we just break the cycle because we know how it ends if we don't. We know how it ends. So what I'm telling you, and by the way, I don't just think this is a clear view issue. I'm saying with you, with, with an honest and pure heart, this is the American church. This is the American church. The American church is doing this. We're right behind England. If you want to see what's, what America's future is like, go to the UK. They're turning cathedrals and abbeys into apartments and factories and really cool studio places to live. Abbeys are for sale. Places that have had continuous worship for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. America is following that path. But I will tell you, that may be America's lot. But it doesn't have to be our lot. 
You get to choose that. I want to show you an interesting statistic that I, I, I just saw this this week. The largest church survey, if I read it right, I'm, I'm, I'm only about 10% into it. It's the largest faith-based survey ever taken in the history of the church. It took them years. And they just finished it up in the last several months. I'm talking about churches. Just, they, they, they surveyed churches like crazy. And the findings are, are fascinating. I'm only about 10% into it. I really am excited to dig into this because we all live in this world. But one of the findings really grabbed my attention, and I want to show it to you. I, I did a screenshot of it. Um, it was the 2020 Faith Communities Today survey. Hartford Institute of Religion Research did it. And I know you may be hard in the back row to see some of this, but I want to, I want to tell, tell you what, what this is showing. The average church congregation is shrinking. In other words, smaller churches are getting smaller and bigger churches are getting bigger. Okay? But here's what really stuck out to me. If you look at the very bottom line, that red number is the number of U.S. Uh, faith-based attenders. Okay? So 10% of America's churches are 251 or larger. 10%. By national standards, Clearview is a big church. This room is full. Yeah, Clearview is smaller than it's been in a long time. Clearview's still a big church, way big, actually, when you look at that survey. But here's the fascinating thing to me, is that set the red line, 70% of American believers attend 10% of the churches. Big churches are getting bigger, small churches are getting smaller. And I think we're going to continue to see that. We're going to keep seeing that, I, I think. And I'll tell you why I think that is. And this is not, listen to me close and don't misquote me or I will use the podcast against you. All right? I've actually had to do that before. I didn't say that. Go to seven minutes and 12 seconds. And, you know, not many times, but I've had to do it a few times. I didn't say it that way. But I want you to listen to me really closely. This isn't big church's fault. It's nobody's fault. But I can tell you that what makes it easy sometimes for Christians, not the church's fault, for Christians, it's easy to go to sit on the back row. Nothing against y'all in the back. You just couldn't find a seat today, right? It's easy to go. I'm using back row as a metaphor. It's easy to go sit on the margins. It's easy to go grab some coffee, be with people you love, like. You like the preacher, you like the music, whatever, whatever. You can go and you can do it. Because across America, there's a lot of things that big churches do that are great. There's a lot of things that, that are offered. But I can tell you that when you sell out to me to an attractional-based model that attracts people at all costs, they can detract just as fast. Because when the amenities stop, in fact, shame pass. Said it better than any person, if you're not, if you're new, he was a guy that was with us for 23 years, one of my best friends, and Shane said it better than any Christian I've ever heard say it. He said, you know, Jason, we've been doing this to the Christian church for our entire lives. Is this, it, we give them everything they want, and the moment that stops, they stop. 
That's not a big church's fault. That's our fault. I've watched. That's, that's no knock on a big church in this town or any other. That is Christian's fault. Because what I've seen happen in my career, many of you have had careers in the same industry, and you've watched like shifts happen. If you're a teacher, some of you are teachers, you've seen education change. You, you've seen it change. Some of you in law enforcement, you've seen law enforcement change. Some of you are in the music industry, you've watched the music go through generations of evolutions. Churches, the church world has gone through evolutions too in my career. And I can tell you that this doesn't apply to all churches, but I can tell you a, a big trend is that churches now are, are, are basically being shopped like we shop at Target or Walmart or Bass Pro. I've had two different pastors in the last month tell me, as we were talking about this, two different pastors told me they've had people that have been visiting their congregation in the last year. And, and it's, it's, this happened to two different pastors right here in Franklin. And they said, well, they, they, they bumped into these people out in the town. Hey, how are you doing? Did you, you moved here. Did you ever find a church? Yeah, it's between your church and this church. My one pastor buddy said, you need to go there. It's like, good for you, Bubba. Because let me tell you something. Retail Christianity is a long way from deny yourself and pick up your cross and follow me. The Apostle Paul sat in a dungeon for this gospel. Peter was hung upside down on a cross for this Jesus. I, I think the church is at a place where it needs to reevaluate who we are and what we're looking for. So we need to make room. We need to make room. And I believe that's what God is calling us to. I will tell you, when I look around this county, I see an abundance, and it's awesome. Many of you moved here for the reasons that Williamson County provides, and it's great. It's a great place to raise kids. There's all kinds of good things happening here. I hear a lot in this county about abundance. I've lived in this county since 2002. And I will tell you, I've heard of churches growing. I'm not gonna, I don't know if it's by conversion growth or transfer growth. Most of the time, it's transfer growth. Not always. Some churches are really baptizing people. It's great. But I can tell you something. I've lived in this county since 2002, and I've heard a lot of abundance but you know what I've never heard? An awakening. Not once. Not once. I, I don't know. If it's happened, please tell me, because I would love to talk to the people that were involved. I have never heard of a church in Williamson County that experienced what my little church did in many other churches across the history of Christendom. I've, I've never heard of it. We, we see a lot of things about churches scaling in size, but we don't see an awakening of the Holy Ghost. I, I tell you what I don't see, even with churches that scale, I don't see a drop in, clear, in, in, in Franklin's divorce rate. I, I don't see a drop. I don't see an impact for the positive in materialism among the people of God in this town. I don't see a drop there. I don't see a drop. I don't see an impact toward the kingdom of what people crave. I don't see a drop. I tell you what, I don't see a drop in. I don't see an impact in our, in our student movements coming out craving sexual purity. 
I don't see that. I don't hear that. I don't see it. I think there is a shift. I can tell you, and as long as I am your pastor, I can tell you this. There will never be a time. There will never be a time, as long as it's up to me, that we will give the people of Williamson County what they want. We will give them what they need. And what they need is a Savior. What they need is the power of God, even among Christians. What they need is the power of God to break the shackles in their mind. That it could be different. It could be so different. I'm going to tell you, man. I'm telling you, man. This is just Jason. Can I, can I just say it like I feel it for a minute? I really believe you could do this. I really do. I think if some of y'all would bankroll it, we could do it. I think we could start a new church at the factory. And all we got to do is bring in some of the top Christian singers in the industry that are hot right now. Bring in the hot Christian singers on the charts right now. Bring in Francis Chan, who's awesome. If you ever read any Francis Chan books, I would, I would advise it. We could bring in John Mark Comer. He's hot right now. We could bring in some of the best Christian speakers. And if we would do that every week with some of the best artists and the best speakers, bringing them in once a month, me preach the other three or the other two or just one, you know, to have a pastor. If we would just bankroll that, we would look up and inside of a year we'd have a thousand people in this town. I believe it with all my heart. You'd have a thousand people. And in two years, you'd have 2,000. And the moment you unplug that from the wall, it goes away. It goes away. Because it's not sustainable. See, people go after the next big thing. Even Christians. And don't for a minute interpret that I'm saying anything about the big churches. And I'm not. I know those pastors. They're amazing men of God. I'm watching, I'm watching God do some things in their congregations. It's awesome. I'm talking about more of America and who we are, and who we've become, and it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. I, I am not concerned about church size. You know what I'm concerned about? Church health. Because healthy things grow. We just moved our son to college last week. You know what I haven't had to do in 18 years? Scream at him to grow. it! come on! I need you to buy some more shoes. He jumped two shoe sizes in like three months one time. I'm like, what the? This is, this is nuts. I don't have to yell at him to grow. Healthy things grow. I'm concerned about church health. We've got to make room. And I don't care if we become one of those churches that have 3,000 people, glory to God, awesome. But I'll tell you what we will do. What we will do is we will keep the main thing the main thing of serving the Lord. And here's, how, here's why I'm bringing this up. One of the ways, I want to brag on you for a minute. And it's not a backhanded compliment. You ever, you ever had anybody do that to you? I hate that. I had a lady one time. Early in my ministry years, came to the church lobby. Uh, how many of y'all? How many of y'all grew up in a church where the preacher stood at the back door and you shook his hand on the way out? Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, this lady comes out one time, and as she was walking past me, she said, it was better today. <laughs> you know, so I slapped her in Jesus' name, and, and uh, I, I did not. I, I didn't do that. I promise I didn't do that. I, I wanted to. This isn't a backhanded compliment. I mean it for real. When I came to Clearview five and a half years ago, <laughs> we, we didn't have one church. It felt like we had 12. I mean, it, <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. I mean, I, I, we were so divided, man. I mean, it, and, and it, nobody's being a bad person. This, I'm not, they're not bad people. Don't hear me. I'm not saying that. But I will tell you something. That's better now. It's better now. It's, I, I, I can't point to the reasons that it's better. It's just better now. I, I think we have a long way to go with that. But it's better now. And I, I want to thank you for that. I think for those of you that are still here, I think you've been the reason. You, you've just pushed through. And I, and I think it's awesome. But I will tell you, we need to make room. And where we need to make room is we're not done with that yet. Clearview needs something to rally around. Clearview needs something to be for. In, 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 in a world full of preferences, everybody, I've got my own preferences. You've got your own preferences. That's human nature. It doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't make me a bad person. It just means that's just who we are. But I'm telling you, if, if I could say one thing to this congregation, I would say make room. Make room. And that's going to mean you're going to have to put your preferences aside. So here's what we're going to roll out to you today. I did a sermon series back in the spring and late spring called The Ways of Jesus. Our staff has been going through the Gospels, and we identified about five core practices of what Jesus did. Actually, the way he lived his life. Now, there could be more, but these were the top five that we could point out to. And we've worked, we've, we've talked with a lot of our core leaders, we've worked with many of our volunteers, we've walked through this, and, and we're going to build our church going forward. You want to talk about some new wine? This is some new wine. We're going to build around these five principles, and I can tell you, there's nothing that a church can't do inside of these five lanes. If these were lanes, you could drive a car down any of them. You can do the whole church through this, and here they are. We're going to create environments that create disciples who live on purpose. So we're, we're, purpose is a big deal here, and we're going to walk, walk with you through that. So G, we, we saw that Jesus always put the kingdom first. Jesus didn't talk a whole lot about the church, but he talked almost all the time about the kingdom. Jesus was always truthful. Jesus practiced God's presence. Jesus taught us to engage our neighbor, and Jesus lived free. And I'm going to walk through those with you right now and talk to you about how we're going to start that. This isn't a playbook. It's not perfect, but it's a starting point. Everybody say starting point. Starting point. That's right. So this is where we're going to start. Number one, kingdom first. Jesus put the kingdom first, right? Let me tell you two ways that I believe that you can start right now putting the kingdom first. I'm going to start doing a series on this again come fall, okay? And we're going to walk through it again. 
Jesus put the kingdom first, and so we're going to do that too. The kingdom of God comes before me, and I would say this to you. The thing that you could start doing this week for the kingdom of God is honor God with our money. Okay? Many of you are giving faithfully. Thank you. Don't stop. But listen, some of you aren't. I don't know who you are. And I know that's a big trust issue, man. It's hard. It's hard. I I think it would be really hard on me to start honoring God with my money if I were 30. And I've never done it. I would think it would probably be really hard. Some of the best advice I ever got when I first got saved. I got my first job. My first job was... uh, was uh, my first job as a Christian. I had done a few other random jobs, but I started working at Lowe's as a loader. That's a code name for like, you know, just shy of slave labor. Um, it was, I actually loved that job. It just, hey, there's 20, pound, 20 bags of mulch. Go put them in that guy's truck. It was great, man, because you never did the same thing. And I, I was, work went by pretty quick. And I told my, my pastors, hey I, hey, I got a job. He said, you did? I said, yeah. And, and I was making $3.25 an hour, which was the minimum wage. So all of you students, shut up, okay, <laughs> about anything, right? <laughs> Three, $3 and a quarter. <laughs> oh, that's awful, right? Can you imagine, right? Oh, anybody remember those days? Those were, oh, those were not from God, man. Um, but my pastor told me something that I, he said, hey, I want you to start tithing. I said, what is that? He said, I mean, I, got, you know, I was still dripping from baptism, man. I hadn't been Christian long. He says, he said, this way he told me. He said, Jason, honor God with your money, and you'll never struggle with it when you get older. Boy, I'm so glad he told me that. I did. I said, okay, sure, I'll do it. You're the pastor, and we should always do what you say, so I will do that. (laughs) But I did. But I will tell you, friends, let me tell you something. If you really do believe that God owns your future, you can trust him with your money. If you really do believe that God owns your future, you can trust him with your money. And I believe that God is trustworthy. So we're going to... We need to come together as a church on that. I will tell you one other way that you can put the kingdom first. There's many ways in our church, but I want to tell you one right now, right now today, right now today with our preschool and kids, okay? There's many people right now in preschool and kids ministry that they're not in here right now. You know where they are? They're over there, right? And some of you are thinking, I did my time. No, you haven't. No, you haven't. Are you dead? I haven't done your funeral. If you're not dead, you're not done. And let me tell you two people that need your help right now. Tracy Sellers and Jenny Ross, they need your help. What do you think it says to a young family when they come and we don't have enough people to help? And I, I want to say, by the way, to all of our families that have the little bitties, many of you have preschoolers, th- let me tell you something. They are helping. Thank you. Every, you guys are helping. I mean, they are doing their job, man. All of, all of our parents that, that should be helping are helping. They really are. Thank you. Don't quit. Thank you. But they need more. They can't. They're parents, man. You remember those days? Remember what that was like? Show me a parent with a child under the age of 12 that isn't exhausted, that needs worship. They need a chance to plant them in a closet over there and come and get away for a minute. We actually have closet ministry, you know, in Jesus' name, but we don't. I'm just kidding. I want to see if y'all are awake. They need a break, y'all. They need a break. They need a break. They, these, these moms and dads that are serving over there, they're having to choose between, sometimes, sometimes they're having to choose between small group or worship and that. 
Don't make them do that. Help. You can do it. They need help, even for a season. Give them the next 12 months. Help. We need that. We need that so bad. I'll tell you another place that we're going to build our church around, something that we, I think we do really good around here. And we do it in our small group leaders. We do it from the pulpit. We do it everywhere that I know. We're always truthful. We strive for that. Jesus was always truthful. Do you know the, some of the biggest feedback we get from our guests that come and plant their lives here is that our church is unapologetic about the Scriptures. And we're going to continue that. We're going to continue that. Jesus was always truthful. We're going to build our church around that. That's more, of a, that's more of a lifestyle, but we're going to continue to build our church around the truth. Now I'm going to give you a third one. Jesus practiced the presence of God. Jesus practiced God's presence, and that's what he did. He, it was more, praying for him was more than just a one-time thing in the morning. Now I'm going to challenge you under this one today. Are you ready? I hope you are, because I'm going to push you right now. I'm going to push you in a way that I think we need it. I want to show you an image. This is a tree. You've seen me use this before. If you've taken keys to freedom, I'm just curious. How many of y'all have taken keys to freedom in this church? Raise your hands as high as you can. Keep it up. Wow, that's awesome. That's so good. I love it. That's so great. Well, you've seen this. Uh, I, I, I remember drawing this up, but I remember that image I think I got from keys to freedom with the tree. But, but there's certain things that are behaviors, and people tend to focus on behaviors. There's certain things that our beliefs and beliefs fuel behaviors, but the root system determines the fruit. You hear me say it this way. The root determines the fruit. The root determines the fruit. You know, you guys pay me to be your pastor. You pay me to be what many of you call a shepherd. Okay? That's an honor, and also it's a burden. But I'm going to tell you, for about the last 18 months, God has put something on my heart, and it hasn't left me. And we're going to start it next week. I can't tell you why Clearview is facing all the challenges it's faced in the last 13 years. I, can't tell, I, I don't have an answer. I have some very solid opinions that I think I could back up. But I may be wrong, to be honest. I, I, I could be wrong. I don't think I am. But some of the challenges that our church has faced over the last 13 years, there's a root problem somewhere. And all I know to do is go before the God that knows. Our finance team asked us as a staff to come up with a plan for what we're doing on our next budget. And I said, okay. Well, I'll tell you where we're going to start. we got some smart money people in this church, but I'll tell you where we're going to start. We're going to start looking at the root system, and that's a spiritual thing. And I want to go before God as a church, and I want to ask the Lord, Lord, what are you trying to say to us? If God owns all the money and God owns all the power, why are we short? I want to ask him, and I want us to do that as a congregation. So we're going to practice the presence, and here's how we're going to do it. We're going we're gonna to go, go to the next image. We're going to go to the source of the problem. For the next four weeks, starting next week, we're going to restructure Sunday mornings. And we're all coming in here at 9.15. 
You can, you, you, we're going to bring it in this room and we're going to sit before the Lord. We've already started planning the worships and, and, and we're going to use all hour and a half, 9.15 to 10.45. So go to the next image. Let me show you how it's going to look. You're going to have your small groups at 8 or 10.45. You pick, or you can meet off campus anytime you want. We have several people that meet at times other than Sunday. All right? But that's going to be the new structure going into the holidays. And, and we, I don't know where we'll go from there as far as we may keep it like that. Okay, and if you hear anybody tell you that we're doing away with small groups, that's just not true. We're not. Why would we do that? That's working. It's always worked for us. We're going to keep doing it. All right, we're going to keep doing it. In fact, I'm going to talk to you about how I think we can even do it better. But for the next four weeks, we're going to do this through the holidays. Because what I know is that we need to come to, you know what Clearview needs more than anything, I think, other than a fresh touch from the Holy Spirit? What Clearview needs is togetherness. Clearview needs togetherness. We need oneness. And you can't do that without being together. That's rocket science. So we're going to put everybody in a room. And it's going to be very interactive. So from August 20 to September 10, we're going to enter into a time of sacred assembly. Say, what is that, Jason? In the Old Testament, many times... The prophets, it's, it's, it happens more than once. It happens in Joel. It happens, I've read about it in Numbers. There's many times that the elders and the prophets would call the people together. And they would go, when something was wrong or something was off or maybe something was not clicking, they would call the people before the Lord. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to do that. And we're going to walk through a season of asking God to make room in our hearts. And those are going to be very specific. I think you're actually going to love it. So I think we can practice the presence that way. It's going to last for four weeks, and then we're going to continue with that structure and moving forward into the holidays. It's been on my heart for us to do this for about 18 months. And it's time that we worship the Lord together. I will tell you another way we need to practice the presence. Is this thing called First Wednesday. Some of you came to it this past Wednesday. We do it the first Wednesday of the month. It was great this past Wednesday. We go before the Lord and we intercede for our church. It's not praying over people, you know, that's had a knee replacement, which that's fine. It, it, it's not that, though. It's, it's kingdom-minded things. We, we pray deep in the things of the Spirit. And First Wednesday is a big deal. It's a big deal, and I'm going to ask you to commit to it. We do it at 12 noon over in the chapel, or we do it at 6.30 over in the chapel. You get to pick. And we're going to ask you to commit to that as a church, and I'll tell you why. Because I am fully convinced that our church could look different in a day if God chose to manifest himself here. I mean it. If you want to see Clearview thrive, let me tell you how you do that, friends. You don't do that through a strategy. You don't do that through hiring. You don't do it through a budget. You do it through the power of God. I lived it. I mean, I'm not talking about something I read out of a book. I got saved in this environment that I'm talking about right now. I'm telling you, listen to me as your pastor. If we will go, God can do more in a moment than we can do in a lifetime. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, on the authority of God, if our church will come before the Lord, empty our hearts of selfishness, empty our hearts of preference, empty our hearts and say, God, make room. Anything you want to do with me, I'm all in. I'm telling you, if our congregation did that, some of you are concerned about attendance. Attendance will be the last of your worries. 
It'll be the last of your worries. I promise you. I'm telling you, I promise you. It'll be the end of it for you. A church that is full of the power of God, people will drive to get there. They will drive to get there. I've lived it. I've lived it. I haven't just read about it. I've lived it. You know how you get that? Asking and emptying, making room for God. So we're going to do that because Jesus made it a priority to practice the presence. I'm going to give you a couple quick more and then we're going to be done. Here we go. Go to the next one. Jesus taught us to engage our neighbor. So we're going to build our church around that principle of, of life. Let me tell you some ways that Clearview's engaged our neighbors so well. You've, got, you've done this for many, many years. Just this past year, Kim Margrave got me some statistics on our homeless ministry. We had 350 people that we ministered to through Room in the Inn. By the way, just so you know, if you're new here, we have, if missions ministers were baseball players, we have Derek Jeter. If they were basketball players, we have what I would consider the Michael Jordan. Whatever Kim says, we need to do it. We have Baptist leaders all over this state still mad at our church for hiring Kim Margrave away from the Tennessee Baptist Convention. And they tell me when they meet me. <laughs> You're the one who took Kim. Right? But I will tell you something about Room in the Inn ministry. It's in jeopardy. It's in jeopardy. You know why? Engagement. I'm just Many of you serve in it. We need more. If you want to keep doing it, we can do it. But it's going to have to look different. There's also new needs in Franklin with homelessness. I don't know if y'all have noticed this, but I've lived in Franklin quite a while now. I'm starting to see more and more of it just, just this week. We're going to engage our neighbor. That's one of the ways I think we've done a great job. Here's another way we're going to engage our neighbor in Costa Rica. We've, we've done some scout teams going to Costa Rica to touch the nations. We got our first team going in the fall. How cool is that? It's going to be neat. We're going to take a team to Costa Rica to work with them. We're going to engage our neighbor across the oceans. Kim told me some statistics recently. We had 80 people at Clearview that served community agencies in the month of June alone. Isn't that neat? 80 Clearview members worked with everything from different things from things like we have a, a relationship. We, it's, it's been struggling lately, but we have a relationship with uh, Department of Child Services. We have relationships with law enforcement. We have relationships with Franktown. We have Kim has done an amazing job of setting up a network within departmental agencies, law enforcement, other places like that. It's really neat. We've, we've done a good job. You've done a good job with that, and I want to thank you for it. We could do more. In fact, we could do a lot more. Imagine what we could do. We could. We could do a lot more. Now, I, have, I don't know that I've ever done this in my life. If I had, I don't remember it. But I'm going to quote me for a minute. I've told you many times that my calling has always been to help you discover your call. I've never had a big vision for a city. I've had a big vision for you individually. I believe that God made you for a reason, and we want to help you discover your purpose. So 
I want to help you discover your calling. And one of the ways that, that to do that is to unleash what's already in you, right? I told you a minute ago, if anybody tells you that we want to lessen uh, small groups, that's just not true. We actually want to do more. More on campus on Sunday, more off campus. We want to do more on both ends of that because it works. I want to, I want to show you a, a, a friend that's he's actually with us today, Jordan Rowe. Some of you know Jordan, right? Jordan is a, a singer-songwriter, moved here from Georgia. And, and many months ago, Jordan came to me and he said, I have this burden on my heart for songwriters. That's his passion. You see, I, I wrote my entire doctoral dissertation around a simple reality that passionate people do not need to be motivated. You do not have to motivate passionate people. You don't. You just have to contain them. Right? It's very hard. It's just why I won't, you won't see me give a church like this big wide vision for the city. You know why? Because either you're in or you're out. If it's adoption, well, I'm not called to that, so you're out. I'm saying I'm called to you. I want to help you discover your calling because I believe that God put you on this planet for a reason and you've got to discover what that is, but then you've got to go do it. And let me tell you something about Jordan Rowe before I show you this video, okay? There's not a person in this room that is more busy than Jordan Rowe. There's not a person in this room that has more stress than Jordan Rowe. There's not a person in this room, there's many of you that make way more money than Jordan Rowe. But I promise you, every amount of money that he makes is just as important to him, and his job and his career right now is eating him alive, just like your career is eating you alive. And even still, you know what Jordan did? When he came to me, we went to Quinn's, you know, which is where you know, a lot of Holy Ghost things happen, and... They got good sweet potato fries. And so we sat down and we talked about it. And I said to him, you need to stop talking about it. You need to do it. And he did. And he had a vision on his heart. And he did it. And I want you to listen to what's happening. Hey, y'all. This is Jordan Rowe. And I'm at Sony Music Publishing Company, where Music Road Ministries meets every Wednesday morning. This is a place where songwriters come and write every day, and that's actually what's going on behind me. So if you hear a random piano, that's what that is. Music Road Ministry started about a year ago, the idea at least. Um, I felt like the Lord was calling me to create a place of community for artists, songwriters, and industry professionals to get together and learn more about Him. Uh, honestly, I put it off for several months trying to do God's job for Him and come up with everything it was supposed to look like on my own and trying to figure all the, you know, ins and outs of it. And I was just finally like, you know what, that's God's job. Um, and after hearing Brother Jason's uh, sermon series on engaging your neighbor and finding a tribe, I said, all right, God, let's do this. So I called up Jason, said, let's go grab dinner, help me create a battle plan for this, and uh, went to work on it. And here we are, this morning was 24 consecutive weeks uh, that guys have gotten together in here and uh, in the same place we work and write songs at to learn more about him. Uh, it's growing and evolving uh, every week. Uh, we had 22 guys last week. Um, we're starting to have guest speakers. Next month we're doing barbecue and baptism. So we're going to go out and bring some hot dogs and hamburgers to the river and uh, baptize some boys down there. It's going to be awesome. Um, eventually I would like it to be uh, a women's Bible study, a men's Bible study, and then us do things together. But, um, you know, I've just been so cool to watch the Lord work and uh, just take it where he wants to take it. 
Um, it's nothing about me. It's all about what he does. And uh, I would encourage you to uh, look at the verse that says the Lord's word will not come back void, which means whatever he tells you to do, he's telling you to do it for a reason and it's going to accomplish whatever purpose he wants it to accomplish. So don't be me and put it off for months. Just step out and do it. Sit back and watch God work. Hey, isn't that cool? Isn't that neat? Thank you, Jordan. Listen, and Jordan's no theologian, man. I mean, he's from South Georgia. He, can, he just started reading last week, right? I mean, look, he, you don't have to be a theologian. Jordan, you know what Jordan was? Available. That's what he was. And what he won't tell you is that some of the names in that room, you sing their songs on the radio. And he walked right up into Sony Music Publishing and said, will y'all give me space to start a Bible study? You think, are, are y'all awake? <laughs> That's one of ours. I love you for that. Don't you stop. He, he sent me that video, and he said, baptism, I thought about I had a wreck. I was at a red light, and I was watching it, sorry. And I was like, baptisms! And I called him, I was like, are you serious? He's like, yeah, three. Like, oh my gosh. He said, he said do you know his place, like a creek? I said, yeah, I know a place. I got one in Leaper's Fork, let's do it. When are we going to do it? And we're going to count those baptisms. Because that's one of ours. Doing that in Jesus' name. God, God's looking for available people to engage their world. We're going to keep doing that. We're going to ask many of you to be doing exactly what Jordan's doing. Be a facilitator. We're going to be rolling out in the next few months some new ways for you to start small groups in your businesses, in your homes, on Sunday morning, off campus, on Sunday, doesn't matter. You don't have to be a teacher. We're going to make it easier on you to start reaching the people around you. They're already there. You want to, be in, you want to find a mission field? It's already there. It's already there. It's already there. And it may not look like a Bible study for you. It could be something different, but we're going to do it. Now, I want to give you one more way that Jesus talked about living free. Say, what does that mean, Jason? Well, Jesus healed people. Sometimes he healed them spiritually. Sometimes he healed them physically. But Jesus set people free. And freedom ministry has been a big part of our narrative in the last two years. We're watching people deal with their junk. Let me tell you something, man. I believe more than anything that what this town needs so bad is a church engaging people on the pavement with anxiety and depression and sexual dysfunction, financial burdens and debt. We need to impact people that are really struggling with real life right here in this town. And they're everywhere. And there needs to be bondage and people delivered from those things. And freedom is a way that we do that. We teach keys to freedom. We teach freedom prayer. I want to talk to you about freedom prayer for a minute. This is kind of new. Several churches in our area are doing it. But freedom prayer, is, is a, it's, it's a ministry that that's, it started in, it's, I don't know exactly where it started, but I know there, it, it, the home base of it around here is in Nashville. Lots of uh, area churches are using it. And basically, it's where we're praying with people to encounter God about their current struggle. 
The sessions take about two hours. You ever prayed for two hours? It's hard. But we go to people and we say, okay, look, if, if you're struggling in your marriage or if you're struggling with your money or if you've got a wound, an eating disorder or something like that, let's, instead, of, instead of us reading a book first, let's go to the God that made you first. And let's talk to him first, right? So you can, you can scan that QR code and it tells you all about it. You can go to clearview.org backslash freedom prayer. I'm telling you, I can't tell you the names of the people in our congregation, but I can tell you this right now, church. Listen to me really close. I can't tell you names, nor would I tell you their situations. But I can tell you right now, you are sitting with people today that have gone through this and their lives are different. Their lives are different. Yeah. And I want to show you one. Right here, listen to this. Hello everyone, my name is Ginger Stokes and I recently experienced and participated in Freedom Prayer. Amazing. Freedom Prayer is so spirit-filled and so spirit-led in a way that the, the Lord can reveal things to you that you don't even realize you're harboring pain, resentment, Frustration, it has changed my life. It has definitely changed my prayer life. And through the Freedom Prayer, which I reached out seeking guidance for counseling for grief after my father passed. And I was introduced to Freedom Prayer as the first option, along with some counseling recommendations, of course. Freedom Prayer was so amazing. I felt prayed over, prayed with, and I could hear God in a whole new way. And from that, I experienced a cleansing, a renewing of my faith, of my prayer life. I was able to handle my grief. I was able to let go of some things I didn't even recognize I was still holding on to that went far beyond the last week or the last month. There were things from years ago that I buried deep inside that I was able to see clearly hear from the Lord that I needed to let those go. And I did, and it was remarkable. I've had so many people tell me, wow, what changed? Your attitude, your, your demeanor, everything is better. And I said, it's freedom prayer, plain and simple. You've got to give it a try. If you are frustrated, if you are not feeling your best, if you have a true burden that you know in your heart that you need to address and leave at the foot of the cross, this is your way to do that. Contact the church office by phone, check out the link on the website at clearview.org, or simply ask one of the staff members they will guide you to the link. Very simple, only a few questions. And after you are scheduled an appointment, completely private, completely confidential. You can pray with women. You can pray with men. You can pray with a combination of both. It is life-changing. Please check out Freedom Prayer. I am so glad I did. What you're talking about there is deliverance. It's deliverance. It's going to the great physician to heal something of a wound in the heart. And if you're carrying a burden today, listen, this isn't, oh, they're just going to pray with me. It's the furthest thing from that. 
oh, they're just going to pray over me. It's the furthest thing from that. If, if prayer were a sport, this is a triathlon. This is going deep in the heart to find out where the root systems are that are causing you to feel and believe and think and live the way you do with your spouse, with your parents, with your job, with your struggle, with your hurt. This is how we're going to get started with living free. I've been through a freedom prayer session. I thought, you know, it's not really fair for me to, you know, tell all y'all to go. So I did. And it was awful. And great. Like, you know, when you start asking God to reveal things, don't be shocked. And my gosh, I, let me, I was done for the day because somebody told me don't schedule anything else for the rest of the day. So all I scheduled was Hattie B's hot chicken. And <laughs> that was all I could take. And it was done. And I was done for the day because the Lord revealed to me some, some real strongholds in my life that I needed to let go of. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit wants to deliver people in this town. And we're going to be a conduit for that. So where do we start? How do we make room? Where do we start? I will tell you where I'm going to start, okay? I'm going to start by fasting. I've already done that a little bit in the last few weeks leading up to today. And over the next few days between August 20 and September 10, I'm going to be fasting. I don't know exactly how many times or for how, many, how much duration, but I'm going to go before God. And I'm going to say, where do you need to make room in me? And that's not just me, oh, that's what he should do. He's leading. No, I mean, I mean, really. I should do that, but I actually want to do that. And I want to go before God and say, where do you need to make room in me? Where does new wine need to happen in Jason? Because there are some places that I know it needs to happen. So I would ask you to join me, church, to go without food and instead go before the Lord. For your church, for yourself, for the people you work with. To make room. And we're going to start that next week at 9.15 in this room. You know, it means a lot to us that you would come here today and be a part of who we are. It really does matter to us more than you might realize. Sometimes I think we underestimate the power we have to influence people. You know, if you would look around your world, you'd be amazed at how many people would receive what you have to say to them. You could be a digital missionary. You don't have to post everything on Facebook or we're not asking you to go on your favorite social platform, but I would challenge you to look around your world. I guarantee you might have a friend, even in a different state or another part of the world, something was said today, whether a sermon, a prayer, a song, something was said that could mean a lot to them. Man, send it to them. You'd be amazed at how much of a difference that could make.